sitting here saying, oh, Love we're going to win. I don't believe that. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for November 8, is it here? November 8th. Oh, that's a day we don't want to remember. Uh, November 8th, 2020. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, exciting, exciting show. Of course, there's been just a little bit of news going on between uh, Tuesday and last night, and we'll get to that. Um, but at the same time, we're excited to have uh, one of our favorite guests who's been on more times than we can begin to count, Rome City Councilwoman and DNC member Wendy Davis. She'll join us in about 20 minutes to um, you know, talk about all this exciting news and look forward to what we have in um, December and January here in Georgia. Uh, but right off, um, it happened. It may have happened slower than we wanted to, but in the end, it happened. It happened, in my opinion, pretty resoundingly, Catherine. What's your thoughts? I agree. It was, uh, you know, touch and go there at first, but after, I guess, late Wednesday, it was pretty obvious that um, Vice President Biden was going to prevail. But it was. Uh, a lot of nail biting watching it happen and watching it unfold and watching the pundits having nothing to say. So just filling the space with, uh, you know, endless nothing to say, but, um, but bravo to all the poll workers and, you know, both paid and volunteer for really, um, really putting in a good solid week, week of work and, bringing home the, you know, counting and being very responsible. It was really important, and we're, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and, and I will say this before we get to Tim. As, as, far, as far as having nothing to say, I think when you went to the pundits, there was nothing to say. And there were two people that had lots to say because they had maps, and they got so granular with their county-by-county analysis, and that was John King of CNN and Steve Kornacki of MSNBC. And I did look later on YouTube, and Fox just did not have their operation in the same way. Um, But those two uh, gentlemen, they really brought the analysis, and the more they showed of them while things were coming in slowly, you still got good data county-by-county. Tim, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um the the way it started Tuesday night, you know, people were thinking, "Oh goodness, oh goodness, oh goodness." And, but you know, I got to notice in a lot of the uh, pundits, along with uh, a lot of uh, political ops from around the country, like a friend of mine was pencil from Pennsylvania. Early was telling me, "No, don't worry, it's going to be fine here." Um, Michigan was not looking too bad at that time. Neither was the second district in Nebraska. And Arizona, when it started coming in, looked good. So by Wednesday morning, I was I was feeling a whole lot better. And then you could begin to see what was happening as a result of the mail-in ballots. We really did vote as two distinct and separate groups in this country. Republican voters really did vote heavily in person, and uh, Democratic and especially Joe Biden's voters vote, voted even heavier um, with mail-ins. Those took longer to count, and uh, uh, it, it was uh, it was nice to see him. Uh, clinched this thing yesterday, and now that I look at the map tonight, uh, we can see that at least in this race, the pollsters weren't off too badly because he is going to win this race fairly, fairly handily. 
you know, he's going to win by several million votes, and he may end up with 306 electoral votes, which incidentally would be what uh, what Donald Trump got. So uh, in this race, uh, I, I could not be more delighted. If, you know, anybody wanted a race, this is the one I wanted. I mean, above all others, as bad as I wanted other races, guys, this one was front and center, heads and ta- uh, heads above, head and shoulders above the others. I wanted this one. Well, and two reasons for that. One, this is the race that can write executive orders, uh, the winner of it. And two, um, I, as badly as I could, you know, describe some Republican candidates, I don't think they would describe as badly as Donald Trump. Um, so, so he was just somebody that had to go because he has so little understanding and regard for democracy. Um, well, I think we talked about the polls, but we'll get back to that later. I think a way to kind of frame our discussion, at least until we get Wendy on in a minute, is we're going to do our most like, you know, we thought that was going to happen. You know, we're confident in that result, and it did happen. And the most res- uh, surprising result. Um, and I'll go ahead and do my the one I was confident in um, just right from the get go. I've been saying for you know really months now. I thought that this is going to be two runoffs in Georgia, and sure enough, we do. It did take till you know later days in the Clayton County and the Chatham County uh, ballots came in until John Ossoff pulled David Perdue under fifty, but sure enough, he did, and so now. You know, this becomes a tag team match with um, Raphael Warnock facing off against Kelly Loeffler and um, John Ossoff facing off against David Perdue. Uh, Catherine, what was your most, um, the one that you felt confident about that came through? Um, I didn't think that was the question that we were supposed to ask. So look, go to Tim well, and I'll, I'll surprising. Come back to That's the other. Yeah, it's, it's both of them, both sides of the coin. Uh, Tim? Well, my most expected uh, was, you know, Joe Biden winning and uh, it not being that close. And, and, and it wasn't. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I can't be more delighted about that. And I, I don't really have much of anything to add to what I, I have seen, except for the historical nature of the thing that goes with it all the first we're setting especially with our uh, vice president elect as well Um, so uh, that was that was my most expected uh, thing to happen yeah Catherine I'll buy you if I'll buy you a little time there you know those first just in Joe Biden you had um, the oldest which is kind of like a first the first candidate from Delaware, and I mean, there's so many states, we think, but that was the first state to rat- ratify the Constitution. You would think since 1789 they would have had one by now. And then um, the first candidate of his generation, I remember when Michael Dukakis lost back in 88, a lot of people thought when Bill Clinton won that that generation would be skipped over. Um, and and uh, amazingly, it wasn't uh, when a, you know, 70 somebody in their late 70s won, and then moving on to Kamala Harris, first woman, which just probably overshadows all the rest of the first. Um, the first Gen X or the first person of um, Asian descent, um, you know, all in there. And I bet somehow I feel like I'm missing another one because there's so many in that ticket. Um, Catherine, did you want to echo Tim or have a different expected? Uh, no, I have a different one. There was, uh, among my friends, there was a lot of discussion in those last few days that uh, Lucy McBath might be in trouble, but I was convinced that she would would prevail, and she did quite handily. Uh, (laughs) That wasn't meant to be a pun. Um, And since then, Karen Handel has completely dropped off of all social media. She closed her Facebook account and closed her Twitter account, so she must be licking her wounds because she got – pretty slammed in that race i can't remember the exact numbers but it was pretty bad so that was something i expected and was happy to see happen 
Yeah, and I heard about Kara and Handel dropping off Twitter, which you kind of had to think that that was coming, and that couldn't be a total shock to her. I wouldn't think, although maybe she just kept all her social media just for political purposes, and she says, I'm done with politics. And if that's the case, well, then so be it. Um, probably all of us could do with a little less social media sometimes. Um, now, let's go days. to the – what you say? Especially these days. Catherine? Yeah. Never mind. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Um, and now let's go to the most surprising. And and I don't mind since usually I wait till the end, and I'll go ahead and jump out there. My most surprising was Susan Collins. I thought she was done. And this gets into the conversation we'll probably have later about polling. But that polling was as off as any state. Um, I don't know how she got so many ticket splitters, um, but she won re-election. One reelection, I'll say handily, but even to the point where when it went to the instant runoff when she dipped under 50, it was kind of like Sarah Gideon would have had to have every single vote to even catch back up, and there was just no way. Um, and Sarah Gideon was still a good candidate. I saw from this far away what I saw. It seemed like she ran a good campaign. You know, the people of Maine just made a decision, and I was absolutely – floored by it um tim yours well i'm gonna stick with joe biden and I, I was pretty surprised to see georgia going for biden at present by over ten thousand votes and i'm convinced he's going to win the state now too we're now officially a purple state somebody said the other night i thought it was cute that they went to bed in a red state and woke up in a blue one um, and and especially what happened down here in the southeast. Every state around us stayed red. Some of them got a little bit more red than they had been. Some of them um, we were supposed to win or, or, or really compete heavily, and, and we just didn't win them. I tell you, uh, we we owe a lot to Stacey Abrams. I, seven years ago, uh, she told me that she visualized something like this happening in this state, and, and those voter registration efforts and stuff like that 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 she did uh, uh, for Democrats just paid off in major ways this year. And she is a personal hero to me. And by the way, Catherine, I'm looking at the House. Uh, six race and you're right handle handle got it put on her pretty 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 soundly <laughs> yeah Catherine, your biggest surprise well i i'm with um I, i'm with him i was i was really hopeful that we would um go for biden um here in georgia but i have to say i was not um counting on it i was uh, counting on other states taking us over the top and then us being sort of a bonus. But in in essence, that is not the way it happens. And um, it was, I mean, all, all three of us have worked in politics for a long time and um, have done a lot of work in ver- at various levels, at various intensities, and it's just re- and and you know you're absolutely right, Tim. Stacey Abrams was a really important part of all that work. But there are mm-hmm. hundreds of other people who put in, you know, whether it was just you know making phone calls or you know cleaning up the offices when there was no staff or um, you know, I mean, look at Nakima. She's been an, an incredible. Um, advocate for Georgia Democrats. So I think there's a lot of people who are, I mean, there were a lot of Facebook posts over the last couple of days about how grateful we all are for all the work that we've all done. Um, but obviously the lead of the, the leader of that work has been Stacey Abrams. So, I, I mean, it was really nice to see that, to get that win, even though I wasn't expecting it, but it was a, a, a pleasant surprise. And mm-hmm. I missed it all. I I took a nap, and I woke up, and my phone was going crazy. I'm like, oh my god, they just we we did it. Like we won. <laughs> so Catherine, you took a nap at like four thirty in the morning. How dare you? 
Oh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I took a nap during the when the right like I was uh, asleep during the Pennsylvania announcement. Oh, when the media called it, because yeah, I, I think yeah. the bigger deal was at four thirty in the morning uh, on thir- uh, between Thursday and Friday when um, Clayton County flipped and Georgia went. Yeah, and even Pennsylvania. So, I mean, you kind of I think it was already headed there anyway. But when that happened, it was like it's real. You know, it, it's completely done. Um, the media just caught up. Um, well. You know, let's kind of go back to 2008 and look at it against this election as far as three states go. In 2008, Virginia flipped. It went for Obama, um, and it really kind of started to move, and it's just kept moving in that direction. Except this year, it it didn't fall back, so it was just too far blue to fall back. But it kind of stalled. I mean, there was a good bit of Tuesday night Donald Trump was winning um, Virginia, mainly in-person ballots. I'm sure a lot of ballots from Mm -hmm. downstate, not near Arlington and places like that. Then um, North Carolina, it went for Obama in 2008. Then it kind of slid back in 2012, although it does have a Democratic governor, and he won in 2016. There were some other positive things happening in North Carolina. They slipped back completely this year stayed red, and then Georgia, who made some progress in 2008, but Barack Obama did not win, and it hadn't gone, you know, blue for any seat, you know, not Senate seats, not governorships, not anything, um, it flips. Looking at those three states, I mean, Catherine, do you have any reason why, you know, those two states kind of made backward progress, North Carolina more than Virginia, and Georgia made forward progress, moving blue. I think I think Tim named it. I think it's Stacey Abrams and Nakima Williams and uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms and a whole host of really dynamic black women who uh, worked their butts off to turn the state blue and um, a lot of people who joined them in that effort, black, white, male, female, all of them, uh, you know, I think, I think there was a lot of inspiration uh, and energy from those, uh, those women, and I think they delivered it. I think that's a big part of it. I really do. Well, Tim, what, what then and, is North and, Carolina? And demographics. And, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of change in demographics in Georgia, too, but I think yeah. – saw that and took advantage of it and leveraged it to make sure that we could win. Well, I mean, but but North Carolina is changing too. I mean, Charlotte is a smaller version of Atlanta, but honestly, the research triangle, Georgia doesn't have anything to kind of match that. That's one thing about North Carolina, I think, that kind of put it ahead of Georgia until now is they have more decent-sized cities spread throughout the state and overall, I think they have a little higher college-educated um, population. Tim, what's your thoughts? Well, first of all, um, I, I can see where you're going, but the facts don't back you up. <laughs> okay. Virginia, well, I mean, Biden won Virginia by, you know, 10 points. Yeah. Uh, and, and North Carolina – Clinton lost that by three points four years ago. Biden is behind by 1.4, uh, about 75,000 votes. They haven't called the state yet. Plus, we flipped two congressional seats, you know, because they redrew the districts over there in court order. What really <laughs> stunned me, though, and the reason I could see where you were going with this, was that Georgia has actually jumped ahead of North Carolina. Yes. Uh, and who would have thought it? Who, yeah, who would have thought they would have changed over quicker than than uh, North Carolina did? You had told me a long time ago that North Carolina and Virginia seemed to be on an even par with what was happening, and we were lagging. All of a yes. sudden – North Work. Carolina's progress, even though it continues, is lagging behind ours. Man, we jumped from a five-point loss to a win in four yeah. years, and it's stunning. So, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, we made more progress in this uh, cycle, and, you know, I mean, it would have helped if the progress was a little more even for North Carolina because that could have jumped a Senate seat because, honestly, if yeah. Donald Trump does pull out North Carolina, uh, Tom Tillis's vote is going to be very similar. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a chance that um, – you, you know, I was just going to interject that Tillis's and Trump's votes are kind of close to each other, that's, too, within yeah, a few thousand yeah. votes of each other. So yeah. either one, either both of them were going to win the state or both of them were going to lose the state, right? Yeah, and that would have been important. Yeah. And so it's something that, you know, will have to be looked at in that state because it's not like a major issue. It's a, it's a two-point fix. Um, assuming yeah. trends go the same way. Well, let me go ahead and um, uh, switch over, and we want to welcome back to the Kudzu Vine for I don't know how many times one of our favorite friends of the show, Wendy Davis. Welcome, Wendy. Uh, good evening. How are y'all tonight? Doing good. We are great. <laughs> Better than we've been in about four years, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I Most feel like definitely. I can finally breathe. Yes. Well, Wendy, um, you know, we were talking about this uh, election and and how excited we are. Um, based on kind of because you're on the DNC, um, you hold elective office. Um, why do you feel like, from the DNC perspective, we were able to you know finish the deal and get this done and defeat Donald Trump in twenty of uh, twenty instead of twenty sixteen? So why why was it better? You know why did we win yes. this time and lose last yes. time? Kind of perspective. Yes. Why did, um, was it a more even? I guess electoral college map. <laughs> well, I think um, oh, there are a multiplicity of factors. Um, so so let's start with uh, everybody doesn't have to guess what Donald Trump would do. They've seen what Donald Trump would do, and. Uh, and the people who were drawn to the promises he made and, and may still be drawn to his, what I feel is negative energy. Um, he hasn't even done the things he told them he'd do. Right. <laughs> so um, uh, there were, there were a lot of people who had, you know, a clearer picture of who Donald Trump was this time. So that's sort of a, a, a macro piece of it that I, I think can't be overlooked. Right. Um including the the response to the pandemic and uh, how he has failed miserably in that regard. Um, but I think in terms of political operations, I think one of the biggest differences this go round was that the, uh, the party invested early and significant resources into having uh, field operations. They weren't uh, an afterthought thrown together at the last minute kind of thing. And because they had um, had foresight and uh, engagement and real, real, real resources, right? Like it wasn't just press release kind of resources, right? They really had humans on the ground who were well-trained. And I think having started so early, it gave us the better capacity to be able to pivot when, uh, when hit with the pandemic, and uh, and I think the uh, y'all know me very well. Somebody audience may not know, but I'm kind of a a field gal at heart in terms of me myself as a political operative. And uh, uh, anytime I see real people talking to real people, um, particularly when it can be neighbors talking to neighbors, I feel like that's some of the best uh, communication you can get. And I feel like the the party um, didn't just talk about it, but it it. Uh, it walked the walk, as we say, the cycle. Yes, and we, and we know the pandemic kind of changed that. So do you think if in a future elections, be it for governor, be it for Senate, be it for president, if things return to normal, could this operation be even more powerful and you do better with being able to do traditional TV groundwork? Uh, certainly, certainly. I think um, I, I think if – you couple that um, again, there was an enormous amount of energy and creativity in the volunteer ranks. Uh, you know, people were, were so, I think we had the enthusiasm on our side. And again, maybe that's my perspective of being, you know, 
immersed in so much of that and, and not really seeing the Republican side of that. Right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not in their circles. Um, but I, but I just feel like that there was a lot of, again, neighbors talking to neighbors and, and people you knew. Um, and if it's somebody, you know, you're more likely to listen to them than just somebody random calling you. Yes. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pass this uh, over to Catherine, and she'll pass it to Tim, and then um, I might end up having a question towards the end. Uh, Catherine? Hey, Wendy. Congratulations. Hey, to all Congratulations of us. For, I know, yeah, for, to all of us. I, I said before you came on that, you know, there's hundreds of people that have been working for decades to try to get this done, and it feels really good to uh, – have accomplished it um, and, and to be moving forward. I mean, this is one accomplishment. We have a lot of other things to accomplish as we move forward, which is what my question for you is going to be. How, okay. um, how do you think we're going to be able to, uh, I mean, what are the, cha- what are the challenges for uh, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris going forward that, we're, we're going to be able to help them with um, as voters and, you know, engaged citizens. Are there things that we will be able to do to help them move this progressive or, you know, uh, forward thinking agenda forward? <laughs> the, the unite America agenda forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of unite things America we can do. Agenda. <laughs> there, there are lots of things we can do and lots of ways we're going to have to be, a part of it. Um, the first thing I hope uh, those of us who are sort of uh, in that insider crowd will do is we will not um, immediately deteriorate into um, fighting amongst ourselves, right, about who's most progressive or if, if, or turn moderate into a dirty word again, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So the first thing we can do is is pause our ugliness within with our own family, right? We we still have disagreements oh, within Wendy. the family. Oh, it's just you know it's already started. Yes, I know it has, and we need to knock it off, people. Right? We don't when they announce that somebody's on a short list for a cabinet position, we need to not tear them all down, right? We need to understand that anybody and everybody that that. <laughs> Uh, President-elect Biden picks is going to be so, or considers picking, is going to be so head and shoulders above the corrupt and in, ineffective, incompetent people that we've had for the last four years. I mean, we knew that Trump was not going to pick people we liked policy-wise, but I had no idea it would be possible to to put people in the cabinet in virtually every position who had uh, an energy that was the opposite of what that uh, position was supposed to do, right? Uh, a Betsy DeVos yeah. who, who, who despises public schools, right? You have the people leading the EPA who are from chemical companies and the, the polluters, right, are running the EPA. It's been horrid. So we just need to, like, keep our little mouths shut for a minute. And I, and I don't mean be inattentive or or, or not be – engaged but i'm saying we just need to give this new administration grace and some opportunity to get some things going and then yes we all we we can always say how things might be better and how we'd like them to be better but right now we need to start with our side being unified and we also need to to resist the urge to lash back at the people who are lashing at us and that's to me the hardest the hardest part like I'm I'm a very competitive person and I'm not usually like haha we beat you kind of person because I don't think there's value in that um but sometimes it feels like you want to say that <laughs> right so I I think that right now where it seems that Trump is just going to continue to spin out this ridiculous uh false charges of voter fraud and improprieties I think it's really important for all of us to not call our neighbors idiots because they fell for it, right? I think it's incumbent upon us to say, you know, I feel good about how the election was done 
let's talk about this because I want you to feel good about it too. I have some neighbors who say they don't think their vote was counted. And I've said, well, let's call on Monday. I'll call with you. I want to make sure your vote was counted, even though I know they're Republicans, right? I want everybody's vote to have been properly counted. Oh, absolutely. I really do. Absolutely. And, and I think that's part of our Democratic values is we're Democrats with a little d before we're Democrats with a big d, right? And, and I think trying to heal those wounds and, you know, repair, he has done so much damage to all of our institutions. Um, but this one's at its core. I had people who thought we were sneaking around being poll watchers, right? Like that was something nefarious we were doing. And and I have reached out and I have said, do you want to join my voter protection team for the runoff? You can be on my voter protection team. Or if you don't want to be on the Democratic voter protection team, I'll hook you up with the Republicans and maybe you can help them put a voter protection team together. We all should be watching what's going on. Not because I think something nefarious is going on, but I think we have a, a enormous number of poll workers who are basically just volunteers. I know they get paid, but they don't get proper training, and they're not election law experts. And I'm not an election law expert, but I've learned a lot about it. But I know how to reach out to people who are experts and try to solve problems, because most of the election problems we have are from poor communication and from people not um, – you know, digging in and getting their information straightened out, you know, before the deadlines pass. And uh, and this well, election it, cycle it, it has made be, me more convinced we need election day registration. Sorry. No, it's fine. But it can be very difficult to get those answers. Um, you know, I, I had a little bit of a problem with my ballot, and it took, you know, three phone calls to my county office and two phone calls to the two voter protection uh, lines to get it straightened out. And I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a seasoned voter. I've never had yes. any problems yes. like this. And then the other yes. thing was a friend of mine had, had trouble figuring out about signatures. What signature do they use to, to refer to a, an absentee ballot? So things like that, that, I mean, it turned out that, that both of those questions had very easy answers, but nobody was able to provide them. So I think right. uh, well, well, that's where we I can help, right? Because people like exactly, us who are connected exactly. can help people and and help when people when there's missing information, that's when those conspiracy theories can pop up, right? Like right now, what's going on on Facebook here in my community is somebody has told people that they could go look on MVP and see if their vote was counted. You know, the Secretary of State's website thing is set up to show you if you voted an absentee ballot, it will show you that they got it back in the office, right, when they mailed it to you, when they got it back in the office. But if you voted some other way, it isn't showing anything. So there are people who are going to it. It shows early voting. It shows early voting, but but not day of voting. Well, it doesn't show day of voting. And so there are a whole bunch of people who've gone and looked it up. And because it doesn't show their day of voting, they're saying their vote wasn't counted. And it's just adding <laughs> fuel to that fire, right, that there was something wrong here. And, um, you know, and this is in a county that voted 70% for Trump, and they think that something happened to their vote. Well, mm. so we have a lot of we, – we still have work to do. <laughs> yes. But yes. we get to celebrate for a little bit. So I'm going to pass yes. it to Tim. Thanks, Wendy. Always good Thank to have you. you on the show. Great to hear your voice, dear. Yeah. Hello, Wendy. How are you? I'm doing great, neighbor. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, so I'm going to do a little down stuff and a little up stuff tonight. And I want to start with this. 99,000 people or thereabouts, less people, I might add, voted in the Purdue-Ossoff race than in the presidential race in Georgia, and just about all of them were Democrats. We know that because Purdue actually got around 800 votes more than Trump. Uh, what What do you think caused that? Um, we, are, we are not yet fantastic at voter education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People, well, I mean, people, you, people, and also the the campaigns get so nasty that that people just get turned off. 
you think there were a lot of people that went to vote specifically in the presidential race and then started skipping some other races? Uh, that always happens, yeah. Uh-huh, but to that extent. <laughs> um, um, it, it, it's just something that's so glaring that, yeah. you, you, you know, that a, a lot of people are, are talking about that particular thing and scratching their heads about it because well, did, did it go uh, back we, up we, for the other race? I, I haven't dug into those details. Did yeah, it? Yeah, it seemed it seemed to go back up for the other one. But of course, there were twenty candidates in it, and you know, so many votes were cast that once you count them all together, yes, there were there were more in it. Um, so. It was it was just one of those glaring things that that stuck out and uh, I, I, I didn't know. So let's go to something good. Okay. Um, I want to give you a little report here. Since 2000, in the United States, there have been 31 statewide recounts of some sort. Three of those changed the result of the race. Now, in those three, the initial margins were 137, 215, and 261. And in Georgia right now, Joe Biden leads by 10,353 votes with 99% in, and we are in recount territory. But would you be willing to go on record tonight as confidently predicting that there is no way any recounts going to overturn the result in Georgia? I am 200% confident that a recount is not going to overturn the results in Georgia. And I will, I will tell you in addition to that, I think that, that some of the, uh, some of the ballots that haven't been counted yet are the military and overseas ballots, which I know uh-huh. a lot of people make assumptions that um, that the military would typically be more Republican leaning. But um, mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you the ones we counted in Floyd County, I was, they were, again, this was a County that was 70% Trump Biden won right. the, uh, the military ballots. So I was, mm-hmm. I was really, uh, I guess they did hear that he called them losers and suckers. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, speaking of Floyd County, that's something else I wanted to ask you about. Uh, we 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 know how results have gone there in in you know recent election cycles. It's, it's happened in this county and the others around it, but Floyd County suddenly made some strides this time. Uh, even though Donald Trump won seventy percent of the vote. He didn't do as well in Floyd County statistically as he did four years ago. And uh, you were spearheading efforts down there for, for get out the vote. Uh, and so a lot of people are wondering, uh, what's the secret formula? How, how, how did Floyd County turn it around a little bit this cycle when some counties like, you know, mine, Gordon, I mean, counties that touch your county uh, didn't do it. Well, I I think that we were able to um, to again have have a bit of a picked up energy, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and and have a, a few more people feeling less alone, right? Sort of the problem in our more. Um, what people call red areas of the state, right? These more rural areas or exurban areas, um, you know, part of our, we, we create this sort of self-defeating psychology of we think we're the only one out here thinking like this, right? And when mm-hmm. you can find out there are other people who, who think like you do and you feel less alone, that, that emboldens you and, uh, and elevates you. And so mm-hmm. I think um, that's the advantage we had over um, of, over some of our neighboring counties where they, I think we were just able to get it to a, a little bit uh, larger, a critical mass than, than some of the neighboring counties were. We were all disadvantaged by not having our usual, uh, you know, county campaign offices and things like that. And, and I think right. that, that maybe we were uh, able to find a, a few more ways to still keep people engaged that, uh, with social media and doing some zoom meetings and, uh, and the fact that we had two really, um, 
actually three really uh, exciting local candidates. Uh, we had two candidates mm-hmm. for county commission. We're countywide and a and a clerk of the court candidate. So, and those races never got ugly. They were just, you know, here's our positive person who would be better than the incumbents, right? So, um, mm-hmm. so I, I think there was just a lot of that positive energy. Mm. Now, uh, speaking of positive energy, and I'm sure you've already been accosted in this way, but I've had several people already to ask me about. Uh, you know, are there any plans for a normal inauguration during this pandemic? And if there is going to be an inauguration, how can they acquire tickets to the inauguration? How does a local citizen, say, with a, with a wife and four kids, like six people, how would they secure tickets to a presidential inauguration if they live in County, Georgia, who could they talk to? Well, the odd thing is that usually tickets to the inauguration are done through member for the public are done through members of Congress. So uh-huh. <laughs> by odd things, <laughs> well. I say, uh, we have, uh, 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 we will have a new member of Congress in January. We're actually without a member of Congress right now because our member of Congress has resigned here at the last minute and uh and we will have a new and dreadful member of congress in january but i can't imagine any of her friends want tickets to the inauguration unless they're planning to go and protest so um Uh but that is typically what you do is you reach out to your member of congress or your senators and our senators are going to be you would think they'd want to be giving them out uh generously so maybe people would vote for them in january who knows (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not sure so you if would, we're going to have a traditional standout in the cold event, and we'll just have right. people standing further apart and require them to wear masks. So I'm not sure how that will be uh, executed. It's actually, uh, and the bigger problem is, is, is frankly, how expensive it's going to be, um, and whether it would be safe to take your family to DC. I, uh, I had a friend looking today, and the hotel rooms are $400 a night. That uh, he was looking at. So, mm-hmm. so it would be very expensive. But you would suggest if somebody is, you know, set on going and there's no talking them out of it, that uh, contact uh, the offices of one of our two U.S. senators. Then, yeah, and uh, and uh, I'm sure they can reach uh, our new congresswoman via Facebook or something. She's on social media all the time. Um, yeah. And I think she's um, going to have the same office number. Um, our, even though Graves has resigned, his office is still uh-huh. functioning. Um, so you could just call the regular phone number for that office and, and make a request. My guess is they'll have a they'll have sort of a, okay. a first come first serve list is what they ought okay. to do. All, all right. One more question, then I'm going to send it back to David. Um, George Democrats, as you know, Wendy. Uh, in Georgia are historically weak when it comes to turnout for statewide runoffs. Uh, we, uh, you know, we immediately think of Jim Martin, you know, how his race was so close, and then boom, runoff time, 14 points. Democrats just didn't go back to vote. Uh, and the stakes are much, 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 much higher <laughs> to the stratosphere high uh, come January with two U.S. Senate runoffs along with the Public Service Commission runoff, apparently. Um, what will motivate Democratic voters to get out there in a way that they just haven't done before? Well, so I think I, I think there are a couple of reasons I'm optimistic. Um, uh-huh. al- almost all the examples of the previous uh, statewide runoffs of significance, right? The ones that are etched into our minds as being so painful um, mm-hmm. with the exception of the, the Ossoff congressional race, that special election. Most of these others, we have been outspent uh, three or four uh-huh. times, right? And so we are, we yeah. are scratching and clawing to get sufficient resources while the Republicans were, 
you know, splashing around in so much money they can send mail to people like us, right, who have never voted Republican. Right. <laughs> and uh, but 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 I I I am I have uh, absolutely no doubt that our uh, candidates and our our party will be very well resourced. Um, again, the money that's uh, swirling around this year in these federal races has been like numbers so large I can't even count that high. And I think we'll see uh, even more of it. Like I think they're going to have so much money they're not going to know what to what else suspended on kind of thing is, mm-hmm. is what I think in terms of resources. So we'll have the resources. I also think we will have the, the positive motivation um, wave, right? Uh, that, that positive energy, our guy just won here in Georgia, which uh, right. frankly many of us prayed for and worked our butts off for, but are still, I think we're still, blinking a little bit when we look at the screen and we go that's yes. Georgia turning blue right we're all just sort of going yeah. am, 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 do I need to adjust this color on my tv right like it's still a little bit shocking to us uh, but I think we're going to just keep getting excited by that and get more excited by that so so the worry of course is um you know and as Rev, I was so um pleased it's so clever and thoughtful I've, I don't know if you've seen uh, Reverend Warnock's uh, first runoff ads, he basically says, you know, people are going to tell you I hate puppies and I step on cracks. And, and it's very clever, you know, about they're going to come tell you I'm an awful human, but I really like puppies, right? It's, I, I thought it was very clever. Um, <laughs> but, but, but that is going to happen, right? Like we're, we're the right. negative, the negativity is going to be what could turn people off. And they are going to the the fear and hatred that has been part and parcel of of Trump's repertoire uh, will be brought out again. It'll be about the Supreme Court and about fighting. You know, they're going to say that our guys are all socialists and controlled by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and apparently um, Vice President-elect Harris, they think, is scarier than Joe Biden. So, you know, they're going to wave her around, you know, because, you know, we're supposed to be scared of women of color because they're so strong and are going to take over the world. And gosh, don't we wish that was totally true. But, um, <laughs> uh, so, um, so, you know, their, their, their fear and the negativity. So it's going to be, are people just so turned off because they're so bombarded or will it be that the, the Republicans are so dejected, right? Or will they be like, this is our last stance, you know, uh, our electorate across the country has a uh, a sort of twisted, in my view, interest in divided government. People really do, in in many ways, like this idea of having a check on some sort of leadership, right? So mm-hmm. I know that is something the Republicans will really push. Like you can't have let Biden get everything he wants, right? So we have to stop him by keeping the Senate. Um, that's going to be a really mm-hmm. strong. Um, a strong argument if they would be measured about it i i think it would have a great deal of impact i think they will probably overplay their hand uh regarding that and just go with he's evil and bad and wrong and scary scary frightening you know scare you cities are burning kind of stuff right um but but i hope we have the enthusiasm gap once again on our side um and we just had a really fantastic experience as Democrats of getting people to vote early and vote absentee. And it feels like mm-hmm. it was successful. Right. So mm-hmm. I feel like people might be willing to try that again. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm very optimistic. All right. And with that, David, jump in there and ask him more questions, buddy. Okay. More about Georgia. Um, we found out, I guess, the last part of this. We, we, you know, we knew that uh, Reverend Warnock and Kelly Loeffler were going to a runoff immediately almost, and then um, David Perdue and John Ossoff are. But also the PSC race is now going to a runoff. I believe it's Daniel Blackman's the Democrat and Lauren Bubba McDonald, who's actually the only Democrat – to ever win one of these runoffs since uh, we started losing these in 92 with White Fowler, uh, but now he's a Republican, they're going to be in a runoff. Now, this is going to happen in December instead of January, so it's going to be two different elections, which we can talk about what a waste of government and time, you know, money and time that is, but it is what it is. 
do you think the party should use this as a way to test techniques for the um, Senate, or, or should they worry that they might burn voters out and only push the one that has control of the United States Senate at stake? Well, David, to be honest with you, uh, one of the things I was going to, to poke around about tomorrow, I had it really sort of crossed my mind today um, as I'm sort of, you know, coming up for air from <laughs> from this week that we have had. Um, but I, I think there is um, an argument to be made, and, and maybe it, the argument doesn't have any room to be considered, but I think there's an argument to be made from our county elections officials' point of view that this election is not going to be certified uh, for an, uh, at least another week, and then they're going to do a recount. So, so we're not going to know the, 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 final, the final answer, if you will, from the November 3rd election uh, until, like, Thanksgiving. So I don't understand how they think that these county elections offices can stand up another election that quickly, uh, even if they only have one week of early voting. I still I feel like that is asking uh, too much from from strained resources personally, um, but but I think if if that is what it is, right, and we end up having to have a December one in addition to a, a January five, I, I think the party can't take their foot off the gas, right? Like I mean, there may be some people who say, well, it's not really important. Well, they're both important, and we can actually get people to apply for absentee ballots for both those races, right? They'll get them at different times and have to get them back at different times. But, but there's a lot of things we can do that are sort of, uh, to use not a great analogy, but a two, kill two birds with one stone kind of effort. So, um, but, but I don't see how we can not take advantage of this. I think it's a gift that we have an opportunity for that public service commission seat. And I think that talking about protecting consumers should be just something that we're really good at and we can reach some Republicans on that message. Um, so, but, but that's one girl's opinion. So <laughs> can I interrupt yes. for a second? Go ahead, Catherine. So there is an, there is another runoff on that date on Dece- in December. It's the yeah, runoff and, for but, the re- replacement uh, yeah, for the in, remaining Congress, the remaining fifth district, uh, so if we were to postpone that, then it would take place after Nakima has been has no, been I'm, I'm sworn not in. Saying, so to me, that race is decidedly different because that the first leg of that contest was executed in September. Hmm. Right. Right. Do you know what hmm. I'm saying? So, so I mean, I but know I, it's but, still hard on full, but those three counties, but to me, to just move the PSC one. To January with the federal ones, uh, I, again, I, I don't think we saying. could move. Yeah, I'm just saying to to add the PSC to the to the January menu if you I will, if that's okay. possible. Yep. I just wanted to make sure that because I mean yeah. I think the whole no. the whole I mean it was ridiculous. The governor, is- yeah, the governor threw in that special election because he was trying to uh, you know stir up tensions and animosity within the democratic party in um in those three critical <laughs> counties for democrats right that's he was trying to stir up trouble and um uh, yeah anyway yeah. i'm sorry i interrupted go ahead david no that's yeah, and, and my other question was I, you know i mentioned that race uh in 1992 and i remember um you know very similar um circumstances as far as it's the, you know an incumbent republican president's defeated um, a new Democratic ticket comes in. Bill Clinton actually came and campaigned for Weitz, Fowler, and Macon. Uh, Al Gore came and campaigned for Weitz, Fowler, and Rome. And I remember those two rallies distinctly, and I don't know if there were any others. Um, do you think we're going to see a whole host of um, you know, big names, including President-elect uh, Joe Biden, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and really possibly, you know, Donald Trump and Vice President Pence coming um, from the other side. Do you think we're going to see big names hold events between now and January in Georgia? Oh, heck yeah. 
Yeah, they're going to be oh, yeah. covered up, and uh, yeah. and the whole and the whole stream of top surrogates, right, are going to be here. I heard Andrew Yang saying he was going to move down to Atlanta for the next two months, right, because <laughs> he yeah, wanted to be a too. part of this so badly. So, um, so I know it's not going to be hard. I mean, we'll, um, you know, it'll be a way they may roll out their cabinet picks, you know by their their VA cabinet pick they may have come to the VA in Atlanta and say we're going to clean up this mess right who knows how they'll how they'll do it but they we will not be left to our own devices as a matter of fact that's that's one of my worries my worry is um, I have found when we make elections in Georgia about Washington DC and those federal divisions it doesn't help our Democrats. Democrats tend to do better when the election can be about Georgia and Georgians rather than about uh, Congress, right, and, and those federal nasty, you know, conflicts. But it's going to be every interest group on the face of the planet will be weighing in, right, <laughs> and, and with every resource they have left in their coffers or they can rebuild in their coffers. It's It's – it's going to be like nothing we've ever seen before, I think. Yes. Well, if Andrew Yang wants to move to Georgia, he can move to my house. I'll charge him exactly 1200 a month for every person living in my house and can have the dogs for free. I don't know where I came up with that $1,200 a month figure, but, you know, something sticks in my head. Well, Wendy, we want to thank you so much for coming on in. Uh, just tell us, sure. you know, like anything exciting you have coming up in the city council, the DNC, just anything we ought to look for. <laughs> well, um, so let me just mention the, you know, the big question to me about the DNC is uh, is whether this uh, era we have had of actually having competitive elections for DNC officers will continue or now that we have a Democratic president again, will we go back to that president just telling us who our officers are going to be and us go, yes, sir. Uh, I happen to be one of these people who thinks we should still have competitive elections. I, I, I like, you know, that sense of democracy within our own Democratic organization. So um, that's something I'll continue to push for. And um, there may be people who tell me not to to get that bee in my bonnet, but that's, that's something that really matters to me. And it's really, I think kind of interestingly is a conversation I actually was able to have with Andrew Yang the last time we had a, a DNC meeting. Cause I figured he didn't know, you know, much about the inner workings of the DNC. And he was like, Oh my God, I didn't know they did that. Of course I'd let y'all vote if I'm president. And I'm like, well, good answer. <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's important. I think we have had uh more engaged officers because they had to, you know, show that they really wanted the spot. It wasn't just they want their name on the letterhead, right? And I feel like we have had a really uh, very exceptional team of national officers who were committed to races across the country and weren't, it wasn't just a talking point that they cared about races beyond the presidency, right? They really have, I mean, they've dug in, they've, they got involved in the mayor's race in Savannah, right? <laughs> All the way up to, uh, to putting the resources in so our state parties can be competitive uh, in the presidential election. Yes. Well, Wendy, we want to thank you again for coming on the Kudzu Vine tonight. My pleasure. Always good to hear y'all's voices. Take care. You too. Thank you, Wendy. Wendy. Take. Yes. All right. Wendy Davis, Rome City Councilwoman, DNC member, and just absolutely a longtime and favorite guest of ours. Um, Guys, we got about like two minutes, so I guess the really the thing we can do is set the table uh, for the future. We didn't really get to discuss these two runoffs, and I'm sure we're going to have weeks to do that. And there are so mm -hmm. many intriguing storylines out of this election we didn't get to touch on, like Florida, like Texas, um, and, and then the, the Latino vote, because uh, Chuck Rocha really had some interesting things to say and some findings, and uh, I guess there's a Matthew Iglesias article, so many storylines that we've got to cover in the future. Next week, we're going to have a friend back on the show, Ethan Kelly from Let's Talk Elections. And if you'd watched him back two years ago when you saw his videos, they were so good and informative, but he has just technically taken it up to another level. So um, Ethan's going to be on the show next week, and we're going to talk to him about the elections, and hopefully we can get into more of these uh, storylines. And also 
the Biden administration is going to be taking shape. So until then, it's been the Kudzu Vine. Good night, y'all. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest...